Hey guys, welcome to episode 148 with my amazing guest, Zelda Williams. So glad to have had her on, of course. For those of you who watch Korra, you know that she is the uh, marvelous villain, Kuvira, from uh, from book four. Um, uh, we do do a, a bit of talking about The Legend of Korra, so I'm, I'm excited about that, and, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, uh, there's a lot of great stuff for people who don't listen to the, who don't watch the show uh, as well, so I want you to feel welcomed in by this extraordinary guest of mine. Um, I want to to, uh, God, I gotta just level with you guys. I'm a little distracted because Whitley, my dog, was skunked this afternoon, and I just took her to go get de-skunked um, at a very special place that de-skunks dogs. And my entire house reeks, and I can literally taste it. I can taste skunk. I'm tasting skunk right now, guys. Tasting skunk. So that's what's going on. Uh, I uh, now let's get on to some other business. I do want to encourage you guys to give positive iTunes feedback. Um, there was recently a feature that iTunes did this month of like like notable, uh, powerful women in podcasting, and I was not on that list. I gotta be honest with you, I was really surprised. And I think it might be because I don't ask people to leave iTunes feedback very often. So I don't have as much feedback um, built up. But uh, let's change that, shall we? Because that was a real wake up call where I was like, now my podcast is popular enough and it is almost exclusively women. So what's happening? So uh, I would encourage you and thank you guys for for doing that if you haven't already. Um, Many of you have. I thank you so much. I want to also uh, say I'm excited to be in Austin this weekend for HavenCon. Uh, I'm very excited for our thrilling adventure hour shows uh that are upcoming here in la as we wind down our, our monthly shows as well as the shows that we're doing in australia and new zealand i know i've been tweeting about those and then shout out wise i want to thank kyle for your email you are a champion and an inspiration fantastic thank you mallory i want to wish you a very happy upcoming wedding kendra i want to thank you for your email uh and i should also say facebook uh for s- some fans that i met at emerald city which was such an amazing extraordinary special experience i had such a great time at that convention it was so so great i wanted to shout out ben and chriselda and sarah um i wanted to thank natalie for your email lynn i want to thank you for your uh, love of anne of green gables listen i'm always 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 on board for a kindred spirit i want to thank nathan who uh on the facebook page said that he wished he had gray's grandmother uh, for his own grandmother i agree i wish i did too um casey i want to thank you for posting some pics from emerald city including the panel i did with steve bloom uh, melody for your note on facebook uh, Emma, I want to thank you for posting the BuzzFeed story about Cora on the JV Club Facebook page. Sarah V for your wonderful email. Uh, Caitlin, hey, I'm thinking about you, guy. Uh, David, David, David S. David S. I met at Emerald City Comic Con with his wonderful uh, lady friend who was dressed as Naga. Um, I got one of the most extraordinary gifts I've ever been given, a handmade, beautiful, beautiful gift that I'll tweet out. Um, it's basically a combination, sort of a mashup of Cora and JV Club stuff. Um, I just can't stop gushing about it. So fantastic. Uh, I'll post it on the Facebook page as well. Uh, Lana, I want to thank you for your email over there in Toronto. I want to thank Rebecca, my buddy. Always good to hear from you, my love. Uh, I want to thank on Twitter, Jocelyn, Amanda, Sally, and Magnus. And guys, that wraps it up for the shout outs. I cannot emphasize enough how much my house smells like skunk. <coughs> it is so bad. Ugh. I got through the intro, though, guys. I got through the intro. I'll talk to you soon. Now entering Nerdist.com.
going to start recording now. Acknowledgement <laughs> that we are both in our very lowest. And we already both don't have high voices at all. Your no. voice is lo- lower and better than mine. It's going to, it's so funny too, because it's like one of those, those things where my voice dropped, uh, to bring it right to the teenage, my voice dropped when I was about 12 or 13. Oh, yeah? And that was before the boys that I went to school with. Oh, <laughs> voices so you dropped. like husky Kathleen Turner was, voice when you were real young. When you were at all girls Catholic school, which was not okay at that time. Right, <laughs> it right. didn't go over very yeah. well. You think a 12 year old that sounds like Kathleen Turner or Lauren Bacall would be in high demand it's not no they all just were like what's wrong with you (laughs) that's so dumb i always felt like i well that kind of that's funny because i just to jump right into this i when i was just at emerald city comic-con you know a lot of people are interested in getting into voice acting especially if they're fans of cartoons and stuff they're like that seems like it'd be a really great job which you and i can attest it is it's awesome it's really great (laughs) and uh and one of the common things that comes up a lot is people being like, I'd love to do that, but I can't stand the sound of, the sound of my own voice. And I feel like that's not uncommon. Like, I don't know how well, I, I don't know that many voiceover actors who were like, listen, I have a wonderful dulcet toned voice. <laughs> therefore, I should get it. You know, a lot of people are like, Ugh, is that what I sound like? Yeah. Well, and I think that's that. What is that? The whole voicemail self-consciousness thing where yeah. they're like, I don't even listen to my own voicemail. Yeah. The thing is, when when kids are self-conscious, when you're kind of growing up, it's never been really something that I've ever heard anyone else other than what my mom ended up doing for me, that voice was never that important. Everyone kind of sounds mostly similar. And when you were very different, it's not, uh, I I don't know anyone else that had the problem I had, but... When they when they instill confidence in you, when they, when people as you're growing up try and teach you how to like be a grown up, voice is generally not the first thing they do. You're right. I guess that's just not. It's not. About, really. I mean, in my case, I was bullied for my voice when I was really little. So my mom showed me Lauren Bacall movies um, because it was kind of that thing of trying to show me that you could be feminine even if everyone else was saying that you weren't. And that's what and, people were saying. Sorry, people yeah, were just like, I mean, you sound I, like look, a boy. I was a little tomboy anyhow. I was right. like, I was on the basketball team and I, I had no boobs, like zero, negative boob. Uh-huh. And <laughs> it was concave. <laughs> it was concave chest. concave chest area. And I sounded like a little boy and I went to an all-girls Catholic school and so you would get, you know, any number. Of, they, 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 will, they will make fun of anything. That's just yeah. childhood. That's yeah. being a kid. But my mom showed me Lauren Bacall movies and she actually, at one point, I think she had me talk to Harvey Firestein when I was really little. Oh, that's amazing. And Harvey did that whole like, darling. <laughs> One day you'll understand. People don't get it right now, but they will. And it was great. And it, it, it became my point of confidence. I mean, it took me a long time, but I was never the pretty girl. I was never that thing. I was the girl with the great voice. And so I, I worked on it. I, I, used to, I used to sing. I used to do anything that made me feel like I could express myself. And so it, it, it isn't common for people to have people look at them and go, you have a voice, use it. Yeah. Even writing wise and anything like that. It's it's new to this generation of people that they, they can feel things like voiceover within their grasp. I tell people all the time to do it. I, tr- I meet comedians and I'm like, you really should be in cartoons. They're like, no, but I just, I can't. Yeah. Like you're on a microphone in front of strangers all night. Yeah. You could do it. But it's funny because I felt that way. I mean, I've talked yeah. about it before, but I felt that way about voiceover too. There was something that was so intimidating about it, even with a couple of things I'd done. Um that were just little once it became like a thing I wanted to pursue. Yeah. I did have this weird 
Not unlike, I'm trying to think of other things that like, for some reason are very adjacent to stuff you're comfortable with, but you feel this sort of unease and apology about it where you're like, I don't listen. I don't know. Hello. My home I don't, I'm not, I don't care for it. Um, also, I don't know if the mics even pick that up. Like, I feel like I apologize for noises that no one else Well, we're not hear. schizophrenic. We're if you guys are listening to this, there is a, a phone ringing. There is definitely a phone. And also, I don't think the voicemail is going to pick up. So it's just going to be this sort of like endless uh, I like that you have a really a dulcet person. phone voice that's yeah. saying like, excuse me, someone is calling you. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. Let me just find out what's going on. That was worth it. What a great break <laughs> that was for the survey United Airlines wanted me to take uh, based on my recent It visit. went positively. It so fuzzy. So, yeah. I... I I mean, I told it to fuck itself. That's not very professional or cool. Um, to be fair, it was a recording, so they don't really have feelings about that. It for sure that. was. It was for sure a robot <laughs> man. It was for sure a robot man who I'd like to set up on a date with a robot woman who announces who's calling on my caller ID. They would be, they'd be very well suited. Love. Because neither of them are welcome. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They're both very unwelcome in this situation. Um, but but w- what we were just saying... Um, well, it is, it just, is intimidating, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just felt like... I felt very... There are just certain things that when I try them, because that's kind of my defense mechanism is to make fun of myself for trying them, yeah. right? That's the way I protect myself. And I do have this sort of note of like, I know, ah, you know, look at me. I, why would I ever think I could do this as I'm at least that pushes me forward to actually do it opposed yeah. to just not doing it at all and staying quiet about the whole thing. When I was but it's a terrified coming in with you guys because it was the first thing I'd ever done. So yeah. I'm walking into a room with all these like professionals and there are, there were riffs that you guys would go off on oh, that I'm sitting here going, I can't not laugh, but I have a mic in front of me right. and I feel like I'm going to ruin this. And are they supposed to catch this? Because it might. And it was it took me a good... I think three sessions to really understand that there was so much that you get to do and that it's okay. And yeah. Like you can, you can run on some riffs and if they're not funny, just shut up for a minute and let them continue right. onwards. Otherwise your, your producer will be like, we're running out of time. <laughs> That's right. That's and they right. come over the microphone and chide you. But it was so fun to walk into a circumstance where I did get to learn so much. And there were so many people whose voices I also like knew yeah. and was obsessed with. Yeah. And it, I got a real nerdy kick out of it. And like the invaders in poster on the wall was my entire childhood. So yeah, I yeah, freaked yeah. out. Oh yeah. It is. It, it, yeah. It's intimidating, but any, you know, any cool industry that affected you as, as a kid and maybe you didn't even grasp it. And yeah. then you walk into it and you're like, I'm here. This is a thing. It's, this is a me thing here awesome. in this place. Yeah. I'm terrifying. Yeah. I agree. I totally, agree. but also like, you know, PJ hadn't really had any voiceover jobs yeah. before. I hadn't. Like, yeah, but you guys have been you, on it for three years. We had years. been on it for three years. <laughs> We've been on it for three years. But like, we still are like that about the D. Bradley Bakers and oh God, you know, is the people that come in and Steve Bloom, people who do like, and I'm sitting with them when I do these conventions where they've got like yeah. 20 voices behind them that are all iconic. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm sort of like, well, maybe one day <laughs> Hello. I do this thing that kind of just sounds like me anyway so i can do other voices everybody <laughs> my favorite is you you made a comment to me at one point where you're like you're talking about the voice that comes out of me and then what i look like and it's true because i oh, yeah i now since doing voiceover all i've played are like insufferably evil bitches uh-huh. or like <laughs> really not like and most of them aren't most of them aren't all evil they tend to be really kind of fun or strange or a little off but they're all <laughs> They're all kind of deep voiced, massive women. Well, that's a view and of it's a very powerful voice. And it's that's, really I think, funny yeah. though to to yeah. get to meet people and then they're like, oh, because <laughs> I'm five foot three <laughs> and a half. Uh, yeah. And 
just tiny and I and I giggle all the time isn't that funny that's people tell me about about that with Cora and I'm like no come on now hang on (laughs) you're like okay well we're both we both have blue eyes and we're both women that is as much as I can offer up we the producers laughed about that when I came in to audition because I'd auditioned via tape like uh on from from my phone yeah yeah um and then I came in for a callback and I walked in and we'd had no photos I'd had no pictures of Kavira I just had kind of a description rundown and that didn't have her physical attributes in it you know she could have had three arms and <laughs> sure listen it's a world no where anything's possible you never absolutely know. but um i walked in and and i they gave me the photo and we were all kind of quiet for yeah. a second. We, we all kind of burst out laughing and she's got a she's got a beauty, mark, beauty mark where my mom has one. Oh, wow she literally has that beauty mark and wow. i was like cool so it's if you gave my mom's beauty mark to me, I'm apparently a dictator. Yeah, and that's just yeah, that's all it takes. <laughs> it. It's a, you're a beauty mark away from leading a nation. Oh my god, yeah. it's fun though because like uh, you brought up D, and there were people that I, you very rarely when you get to do things. I mean, it happens, and it's great when it happens, and you should absolutely sit and stare in awe when it does. But whenever you're in your like a job, and someone is so freaking good at their mm. job that it's actually awe inspiring. Oh yeah, D. The first time he came in, he was just going to come in to do all the animal voices in one point, and no one else was there. I was doing coverage for a previous episode for fight scenes, and one of the sound guys was like, you should stay for oh, 10 yeah. minutes and watch this. I had the exact same experience. I love everything you're saying right now. I was in awe. I, my mouth was agape in the most cliche way, yeah. where you're like, oh, that's what it means when your jaw drops, yeah. and you're just frozen in time. And you're watching a guy also do voices like simultaneously. I'm not kidding. I, there's there's multiple moments where he does things where I'm convinced he was doing both of the animal voices at once. I completely agree. It, it, like Naga and what was the little red panda's name again? Pabu. Pabu. Naga and Pabu. He did a scene where they were wrestling that was in book four. And they're like having a good time. And then someone calls out like, Naga, stop that. And yeah. he kind of goes, oh. But they, they, he did both those voices like at the same That's time. Crazy. And I have no idea yeah, how. I know, I know. I have, it was magic. It I was know. literally. Well, did you, like me, think, like, either I didn't think about the animal noises at all, or yeah. I assumed they were computer generated in some way. Or they like, had, oh, like, we'll a, a, a library of, yeah, like, this exactly. is a lion, and this yes. is this raccoon yes. noise. And yes. For my, and I love horror films. I'm addicted to them. And so all the films that I loved with, like, aliens in them and stuff, I was like, oh, no, this is, I, I guarantee you, I've heard that noise before. That's this. Yeah, 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 you yeah. think you're on top of it and that there's a library. No, it's guys like D. Or yeah. it's probably just D. Yeah. There's, like, one other guy that I does it, Steve but it's mainly does just D. voices, too. The yeah. guy who played him on in the first, in the first season, he does them, too. And, but yeah, they're really like every is. every weird noise you've ever oh, yeah. heard. Oh yeah, is them. It's not it's not like a lion I that they recorded for National Geographic, and they're like, we'll reuse yeah. this sound. No, it's it's <laughs> not. It's not in a library. It it blows me away, and that really is an example of being able to do a thing that falls under the same umbrella as what someone else is it's called that they're doing and also feel like they're doing something that shouldn't be called the same thing as what i'm doing like i'm not a voiceover actor if he's a voiceover actor do you know what i mean i'm something else we're voiceover they're voice above he's a a voice hoverer yeah he's just like hovering above the rest of us they they have their little pedestal and should absolutely be put on it by the way there's i agree it was i i went home and i i literally looked at like my my friends that live with me and kind of went i'm i I just saw something that I don't really know how to explain. Like you're like trying to explain someone walking on water. People that saw Jesus probably had a moment like we did with D where we're like, that's not human. Something's wrong. Yeah. And you can't, there's, it is so far beyond being able to recreate it. 
that there's no oh no there's not even know, a point in either you or I being like so you know pabu it's like yeah crazy unbelievable I haven't talked to him as much as I would like to about how he cultivated those and sort of how he practiced because I'm a I very lazy person I think he watches a lot about things. practicing he yeah, watches he a lot because he was talking he's to me always he, working I think the, the bison with the, the sloppy kind yeah. of like uh, like always licking its boogers uh-huh. that one I was there the day that they introduced him to it they were like oh we have a new bison for you and he went oh no no this is perfect I've been watching my pugs yeah, and I've been studying my. Parents. I remember him. I heard. <laughs> and then he that was too. doing. And he, and my my uh, brother and his wife have a pug, and it was literally those noises. It's that yeah. like bad snorer, obviously. Yes. Stout flappy, nose. Yeah. Flappy, snorry, flemmy, choky, flappy, flappy. <laughs> and he just Which, kind when of. I think about that. I don't know why anyone has a pug, but I'll do respect to pugs. You know, they're so cute in all of cute. their snottiness. Yeah. Um. But he just did it. He was just like, oh, no, this is great. This is perfect. I got it. And literally in one take, he had created an entirely new bison. Oh, my God. Like, this I'm gonna entirely have to, new bison. I got a podcast in for Boys of Summer because I need to find out if like he was ever you know, stumped by anything. If he ever Yeah, they gave him an alien like, and he was oh, like, there I'm is no noise I can for make this. for this. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, enough about D. I got a podcast. I, I know. It. I'm that, sorry. No, no, no. We're I'm just obsessed with him. Like, <laughs> we are obsessed with him. And he's also an amazing human being. And I always refer people to his website. I want to be a voice oh my God, com yes when we get asked about that because he's done all of the work for us yeah. which is remarkable and like well and you can tell people you're like just do that just and, yeah you know a lot of people have been finding me because had been finding me because of the cartoon and so they'd be like i want to get into voice work stuff like that and you should absolutely be like okay do it just go research it yeah because believe me there'd be no amount of guidelines that we could give that oh, aren't yeah. already spelled out in really wonderful ways by people much more qualified absolutely that's what i always feel <laughs> apologetic about is like yeah. oh don't ask me yeah. do not ask me you yeah not well qualified but i think it's so <laughs> fantastic and so specific that you know the thing that was i mean it's such a i guess it's a cliche but it for some reason it's like a cliche that feels rare to me when you when you sort of like the the whole idea of like the thing I was made fun of became my signature thing is yeah, like sure. it's a story that we all know. Yeah. But then when I really break it down and think about that being a thing that's true all the time, it is a little more unusual. Like I wasn't I mean, I wasn't I'm, I'm trying to think of a thing that I was explicitly teased about that now serves me. And if anything, I guess it would just be like my hypersensitivity and like, you know, my empathy of yeah. sort of like crying if someone else was crying. I guess that sort of you're like, and applies. now I make a living doing that. <laughs> but like, that's that's not as that's not as specific. And I also think there's something so satisfying about I'm professionally empathetic. Yeah, I'm a professional empath, everybody. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Actually, you're welcome, everyone. Uh, hugs all round. Um, no. <laughs> but like I think and also the fact that the term voice because you brought it up earlier the the term that the term voice is both literal and figurative for you is 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 also really cool and interesting to me because you brought up writing as well and the sort of idea of like you know the way the way you're expressing yourself goes above and beyond an actual just physical manifestation of a voice but also like what's you know what's what are you bringing to the table in terms of your creativity and all that kind of stuff too well and 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 again i mean 
I don't, I've never met a single person that wasn't made fun of as a kid. And I'm pretty sure if I did, I wouldn't like them. They're not yeah. generally, they're probably they don't not seem a like an archetype human of people yeah, yeah. that didn't go through a lot. So it's, it's, it's a very kind of human and relatable condition to have gone through that. But I do think there's some truth to it, especially for women, I find, that when they're made self-conscious about something from a young age, they seek out a way of concreting it for themselves as, as something that's important. Mm. I mean, even whether that means in opposition of what those people said or as the actual thing itself. Like in my case, my voice, I didn't change my voice to suit anyone else. I just went, screw you, this is how it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, And became very kind of... Um, I don't know. I mean, I I even get people still that are like, "Are you British?" I'm like, "No, I just enunciate. I took care of it. I'm yeah. working on it." Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I, it's hard because there are very few examples when when you're a kid, you're not looking at the other kids generally being made fun of as much if you're also being made fun of. So, yeah. you know, the kids I grew up with, I didn't really have any friends when I was in grade school, so. I, I don't know what they also went through, but I do know the people they became and all of them have turned out, at least the ones that I have since run into or talked to, turned out really wonderfully and very interestingly. Like one of the girls that um, I became friends with later on in life, she used to get made fun of all the time for being kind of the not tubby girl because she wasn't she was never tubby but it was that you know that's it's girl school again they just make fun of anything and she mm. then became like a professional rock climber and nutritionist mm. and there is something about that you mm. know being people trying to point you out and say that you're unhealthy as a kid and then being like screw you i'll be healthier than all of you yeah. and she did she's now badass yeah. and it's, well you're right i mean it's 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 when we're in our formative years it's unreasonable to expect that when a spotlight is shone on a particular part of our character that that wouldn't become important to us in some way i mean who can like nobody can push nobody should be able to push past like you're becoming the person that you are and someone is saying this is a big thing i keep talking about with you there's no way you should be expected to sort of go well i'm just not going to hear that at all it's just the way that that light gets shone for you on the inside that affects one of how the, it makes people it. not necessarily nitpick, but it makes you kind of inwardly aware of it or conscious of it. And I, it makes me a little bit worrisome for, you know, kids now because they have things like Twitter that they're still so new. I mean, we were I, I was in my 20s when it came about, really. Yeah. So it's like it's still brand new. So there's very little understanding of the psychological effects of it. Yeah. And especially for kids, especially for teenagers, I mean... They're dealing with strangers who don't know them in person and can choose anything to batter them or nothing at all. So they're not going to be able to look inwardly and find something that they think that they can work on or find something that they find confidence in to not be affected by these things because they're not choosing anything to really hurt them with. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just like hurting people. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say there aren't positive effects of social media as well. There are. I mean, the things that it does for charity, the things that it does for... I've made actual real-life friends via social media. Absolutely, me too. I wouldn't suggest it for kids, but in my case, it ended up working out. I I met a terrible ex-boyfriend on social media. Wonderful. <laughs> also not suggested. Uh-huh. But again, look for look You're for trying dating websites. You're That's maybe a little bit on. better. Yeah. But you, you know, it, it's new. It's it's a new experience and unlike when you're in school, which is already hard enough, strangers having the accessibility to Oh, I can't even imagine. It's hard. I can't I, I really can't imagine. My like my cousins, I, I keep imagine. them 
not off of it because you can't. I mean, look, they're they're coming into their teens. It's about that time where they're going to do it regardless of what you say. But I warned them about it, and so they made their prounce, uh, accounts a prounce. Yep. Their accounts private. Um, and I think that's really important because also they still get to socialize with their friends in a way that is not really supervised by their mother or their mm-hmm. father. And But their friends are also all 12. So yeah. in a certain extent, the things that they may talk about is it shouldn't, be a worry or a concern of a parent at that time, at least for me, at least when you know you have a good kid and they have good friends. And yes, maybe they'll talk about porn or things like that, but that's whatever. It's kids. Yeah. But they, their counts are private. So at least, you know, there's not some weird lurker who wants to upset them or who wants to mislead them. Yeah. I think that's a great point, but I agree with you. And I do sort of wonder that myself when I think about the lack of Facebook, uh, when I was younger, Lack of texting, and the kind even. of stuff. Oh, everything, everything. We and had no lack of accessibility. Um, we how sound much, old. I mean, I know. <laughs> I know. There's no way. If, when it goes back to in my day, you're like, oh, oh well, gosh. here I am. At I, 25, I, I, in my day is already listen, a it thing. It makes me feel better that you and I are in my day because I'm so much older than you that I'm like, oh, it's okay, Zelda and I were able to lump ourselves in as little people. <laughs> so I still feel very young. Um, but like, yeah, this, I, I, I wonder. Like, I I have asked myself the question, you know, what would have been different about my life if my parents had more access to what I was up to in that way? And I don't know that it would have been better or different. I would have found different ways to hide my behavior. You know, Mm -hmm. you just sort of, like, as a teenage person... Look, it's the same way you, like, wet your toothbrush because you want your parents to believe that you brush your teeth when you want to avoid it. You're going to find a way to navigate around... Yeah, you do. You find others oh, so you pretty. You find a way to navigate. Um, and, uh, I don't I, need her to be going to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, that thing is closed. <laughs> Hang on just a sec. No worries. So much activity. What a frenzy of activity. Now we have like dogs running around so outside, cute. running to and fro to nothing for just no pacing, one. As just, you do. Just exploring everything. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, I boy. A back in art. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, being old people. Yeah, I mean, I just think, yeah, exactly. You find, you will adapt. You will sure. adapt to be the person that you're going to be probably regardless of what kind of access your parents have. What I wanted to ask you was where, just uh, in a general setting, um, where, what area were you, did you go to school? Like, where were you living? Were you- um, I went to school in San Francisco. I was, I was raised in SF. I, I ended up being born in New York, raised in SF, and then I moved to LA alone at like 18 or 19. Yeah. Um, which is a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, not one I highly suggest, but I, I'm happy that I did because I am. I it is such an important time in your life to kind of figure out who you are. Sure. And weirdly, moving here and knowing no one and getting to kind of define myself for myself, not even so much for anyone else, but uh, at that age. It was great. It was really important for me to do that. And in SF, strangely. Uh, and that's SF proper. That wasn't like yeah. No, I went you know to I, I went to high for... school on Haight Ashbury. You did. I was like in SF yeah 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 historical what SF. Is there? I'm trying it's to called think. Urban. It's okay. Awesome. Perfect. It's changed a lot since I was there. They now have like this beautiful new building and all this stuff. When I was there, we played basketball and volleyball in the church across the street. Perfect. Like it was cool. It was a very. And that was a Catholic girls' school or different? No, no, no. That was my grade school. Okay, that was, grade uh, school is Catholic That was Convent school. of the Sacred Heart. Amazing. Which was wonderful. I uh, I became a writer and an actress because of one of my teachers who was there, who's one of those, like, they make movies about them kind of teachers, yeah. like Mona Lisa Smile kind of thing. Sure. Who, to this day, I still see every Thanksgiving. Oh, that's um, so great. And I love her. Yeah. But she saw that I was, like, a completely 
outs to nerd. I constantly was reading big, huge books when I was in like just second and third grade in the playground while everyone else was playing and having fun. And so she started like making my own book club with me and she'd like she'd let me she'd take my book away and she'd be like no more harry potter here's shakespeare yeah and she'd like do this and it was great and it it ended up being why i you know kind of wound up here yeah um she also was the chorus teacher which was very important and the um the musical every year you know catholic schools and and most schools in general they have like a musical Mm -hmm. do the girls play boys parts uh, we had a we had a brother school. Oh, I see because my little brother went to that school actually. Yeah, uh, which was not very far away. So they, you know that was also all the popular girls, which you don't generally think that they would do. They do the musical because they get to act opposite boys. So Makes then, sense. It was the only time the nerds were like, "Gosh darn it!" Yeah, because we yeah. thought maybe we'd have that moment. Yeah, to give that give but. us theater as many of us experience. Like we got the theater. We got theater guys. Give me theater. They don't give care about me theater. Death. We're not cheerleaders, but we got theater. No, we didn't have cheerleaders. There were no cheerleaders. So that was the version of cheerleaders. That part of it sounds kind of and they to me. all wanted to be actresses, which is why I was like, "Ah, oh, crap!" Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's funny because the some some women that I've interviewed who've went to Catholic school have what they experienced because I'm I went to you know I just yeah. forever always went to public school and I'm I, for a long time at the beginning of the podcast I really had this fascination at um, the sort of gender separation during education and, <laughs> yeah, it's and weird. some girls are like oh it's great because without boys around the girls all just got along and no one was bullied and I was like <laughs> that shocks me <laughs> That was so not the case in my school. that was not the school. case with, with you and with no, your school. No, no, but it was, and I, I'm very grateful for it because, and look, I'm not going to be one of those parents who's like, what, what is that old um, kind of joke of it? It builds character. Yeah. No, it's shitty. I know. It's shit I just, to by be the way, at of. a panel, I, I think I might have said it yeah. builds character in one, in one way or another, but like only because I wouldn't take it back. Do you know what I will I mean? say I it made me a better adult. It, it, made me it was a, a terrible, like hating your peers to such an extent yeah. is terrible That's as extreme. a kid. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I had wonderful teachers, like truly earth-shatteringly great teachers in a certain extent. And like, it also sounds like it taught you to how to be around adults and be around. And be yeah, I was mainly around adults. I didn't have any, life anyway. Yeah. I didn't have any kids my own age as friends until I was like 21. Mm. Mainly, so even in high school, not yeah, so no. much. So I was what weird was Urban all about? Urban's great. Urban uh, was a, like a kind of liberal arts high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mainly, yeah, it was one of the first schools in California to be laptop oriented. And oh, I wow. was always really good digitally. I used to program websites and stuff. And so I was, I was that nerd who was the head of the laptop oh, man, committee. I'm so envious of helping that. I people. Got none of that. Um, and it was a very, very good school. It's one of those schools that's kind of a feeder school for places like NYU and mm-hmm. I had a couple kids in my school my class go to MIT which was mm. crazy um, and in my case I was like I can't do this anymore <laughs> and I, I ended up doing college courses and kind of graduating at um, after sophomore year because mm. I just oh wow it just wasn't for me um, and I made the strain like I, I would I don't regret it for the life of me but I made the decision to film my first ever project um, and it was the first couple months of freshman year. So when I got back from filming, everyone had kind of settled into what's that first terrible, you know, moment of freshman year. And then I wasn't. Yeah. And I had a, I'd, I kind of got off that film and went, I need a change. So I shaved my head. Nice. And I came into freshman year being like, hello, feeling so on top of it from doing this movie and then going, 
oh, this is high school. Uh, but it was all right. Uh, and you're doing that at a high school where that was probably would have been, a, you know, welcomed in more than other yeah, places. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. But it was definitely kind of played into that whole era of everyone's lives where they feel whether it's disenfranchised or they they start figuring out maybe some things they want to do with their life one of the things i wanted to do with my life was no longer be in school and so i worked very hard to get out of it because it wasn't it wasn't a good place for my sanity is Um, that something that your parents were responsive to because i i just i'm just comparing it to myself weirdly my older brother wasn't my older, older brother was, was like, like, you I must think go so. to you have to go through what I went four through. years of college. No, because he's one of those guys, and I love him. He's unbelievable, but he's definitely that guy that if he could, he'd like get every degree imaginable. Like, yeah. you know, he took, because <laughs> I think it was also him figuring out what he wanted to do. He like took the LSATs and he worked for this place and he got a, he, his uh, degree was in linguistics and like stuff yeah. like that where you're yeah. like, okay. I didn't want to do that. He had I had a passion for being educated, which yeah, which is I wonderful. Too. I I know, and I kind of get that. Like, I sort of felt that at times in college, where I felt like, oh, I can choose what I'm interested in, yeah. and 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 I do kind of miss. I've talked before about sort of missing that res- the responsibility to educate myself, yeah, um, because it gets very easy as an adult to sort of well, and that's where the difference you know, is, though. Tunnel vision, your interests you have and stuff. a responsibility to educate yeah. yourself, yeah. There are times where there and there's there are people that are not well suited to necessarily high school. Um, and I, I was definitely one of those for my sanity. I've, I don't suggest it for everyone. I think school is incredibly important. But in my case, it, it, it was that environment itself that, that led to me not really learning. And so mm. I took it upon myself to be like, no, I'll continue to learn. I'll continue to be a voracious learner of mm-hmm. things that I think are very important. But for school, it, it just it, it led to a very deep depression in my life at that mm. time. And so I kind of made that choice as someone who is not yet an adult, but certainly wanted to become one mm. of saying I wasn't going to continue to pursue something I knew was not right for me. Yeah. And it is it's it's not really right for anyone, but a lot of people should go through it because it is important. Right. Um, but that sounds like. Like, what I was going to say is I just wouldn't have even, you know, the world that I grew up in, also my dad was a mm-hmm. high school teacher, so yeah. it's the opposite. <laughs> like, the last thing he would ever say it's is like, like you cannot leave. This. Yeah. But I, it would never, it never even, it would never have occurred to me to graduate early. It would never have occurred to me. Like, I was definitely living in a sheltered enough environment that my only understanding of where I was was where I was. And yeah. I didn't have a sense that, you know, there were options. And I had friends who dropped out and got their GEDs, or I had friends who were taking college cl- courses while they were in high school. And as much as I like to think of myself as being a free spirit, I really f- kind of was just like, well, I just do this until this, this until this. And then I guess yeah. after that, it's anyone's guess. Yeah, it's open but season. Yeah. I think that was part of it as well as like when you were younger and you try and like my older brother went to NYU. And I always knew I, w- I kind of wanted to be an artist in some form. I think people that want to be artists figure that out real early. Mm. And so you briefly entertained that idea, at least in my case I did. And then as I got into eighth grade and then as you go into high school and then as you consider college or at least you watch these kids who their parents, if not them, have been prepping them to go to a particular college for eight years, I realized I didn't personally for me didn't want to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, there's very various reasons, one of them being that 
it just it, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, but also, I was raised by two parents that dad tried to go. <laughs> dad was in Juilliard and he got kicked out. My mom had been in art school, but she ended up uh, dropping out because it was just it's too expensive, which yeah. it is. Yeah. You know, she was a waitress. She did three jobs a day just to get that stuff done. But then she just she decided to go into just working, which she was always so good at. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of the same way. Um, well, that's what I never. I was impatient to work. Yeah. And so I just said, you know what? I'll cut my teeth and try and work. And so I did. I, I would sit on, even when they weren't my set, I would sit on other people's sets. I'd learn from the, the gaffers. I'd learn from the director. I'd learn from anyone who would let me sit there and watch them do stuff. And so it helped. Um, but that really was my college. It feels like you had such a sense of yourself from such an early age. I mean, but you, it keeps changing. That that thing about self, self is so fluid. Like yeah. for me, I thought I wanted to be an actress. And as I've kind of grasped what the expectation of that is in Hollywood and what that's become, it's become something I've actually kind of moved away from. A friend of mine uh, who who's become like a really wonderful like uh, Buddha mentor for me and trying to keep me sane here, who's a really wonderful director, looked at me one day and he's like, look, this is one of the problems that you have. And a lot of women who are larger-than-life characters. Like, there's a lot of women who make themselves smaller to be here. Oh, God, what a great... Literally and figuratively. And in my case, um, he went, no one was ever going to write you. And you have tried very hard to be these other characters, because that's what an actress does, is you're you're playing other people's characters. But you tried to make yourself less interesting because it's what they wanted. Mm. And most of the roles that they write for women are less interesting, by Mm -hmm. definition. And so... You know, and I always used to get this weird feedback of like, you're intimidating or you seem darker than this character. You're too mature. You talk too mature. And I even did that thing briefly where you raise your voice like higher up here so that people would be less scared of it. And it didn't suit me. It doesn't suit you at all. No. I mean, that's what he said. He was like, you know, no one was ever going to write you. So you have two options. You can stop being other people's characters and write your own or you can kind of. Coast until you find someone who finally does write something at least somewhat similar to you. Mm. The first option is the one that kind of makes the most sense because I'm not good at that kind of I'll just ignore the world until they stop ignoring me thing. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a strange time right now. They're more likely to cast models than they are to mm. look oh, yes. for actresses. And oh, yes. so I, I am mainly leaving it because it's not what I... You know, the sets I grew up on, the life that I, I got to see these wonderful actors lead is not what it is right now. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, the 90s and the that whole time period was just this massive world of, like, creation. It was before CGI. It was mm-hmm. before all this. I mean, they had kind of a facsimile of it, but it wasn't very right, good. Right, right. You know, they built these sets. Yeah. Um, And so it's kind of... That idea of like you couldn't be a facsimile of something, you had to embody it in some way to be convincing. Mm-hmm. You know, now they're like, we'll edit it in post. Yeah. If they weren't, if they couldn't get that tier, we'll just give them one. Yeah. And so it is, it's a strange time, but I, I don't regret any of it. I think my sense of self, because I realized that, you know, again, I was never the pretty girl, I was always the kind of dark one with a weird sense of humor. And you know, I was always very blunt. Like, I cannot tell you how many times people try to use, like, oh, you must be a lesbian to insult me <laughs> in bars. And I'm like, 
I, I'm openly bisexual, have been my entire life, but most of my friends are lesbians, so I really don't see how this is meant to be insulting. Yeah. That I don't want to sleep with you doesn't mean anything other than I'm definitely not into you. Absolutely. And so there is that, that mentality of people use a lot of things here to insult people, and, and none of it makes a lot of sense. So you kind of have to make your own way. I mean, it's, it's true of artists everywhere, but... You know, I've said this a bunch, but um, but it, I think it bears repeating because uh, it, it's something that I just talked about with someone else, um, not on a podcast, if you can believe it. Actually, sometimes <laughs> in my private life, I don't talk, I don't podcast something, but uh, that this that making the choice to be here specifically, not necessarily to be an artist or to be an actor, or to be a writer, yeah. or to be a performer, but here in Hollywood, uh, that it has the opportunity to and it's up to you, become the very best or the very worst version of yourself. Sure. And I think that's something that I have to check in with all the time. It's like, this yeah, thing, well, you need good what, people which, to remind which you. decision is this serving for me? The worst part of myself or the best part of myself? Yeah. And that's something that uh, I think can be universally true for anyone, no matter what you're doing. Just bear in mind that your decisions are sort of opening a door towards yeah. a direction of this is a choice based in fear or this is a choice based in strength or however you want to sort of look at that. But that's everything that you're talking about, of course, rings true to me because there really are a lot of decisions that you make thinking, well, this is a small decision. It's not going to mean that much. And then you culminate all of of those small decisions (laughs) and you're like, oh, I'm on a show where I play a thing and I can't stand my job. And now I have weird feelings about who I am and what my worth is. And I'm letting other people tell me what my voice should sound like or, you know, that I'm being too funny. Well, even when the worst is when you're not even letting other people tell you what you should sound like or what you look like. It's what you think other people would tell you. (sighs) A lot of people do that. And it's unfortunately one of the bigger mistakes I catch any of my friends doing to themselves and to their their confidence. But, I mean, the weird thing is I, I expected to hate L.A., uh, my parents were very not fond of this town, um, and they have been wonderful at kind of keeping me from becoming L.A. in a sense. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I, but I love living here. Weirdly, having no expectations at all, they were very easily exceeded. Uh, I've met some of my favorite people well, in the world the here. the thing, is that the people, yeah. it is really, They're that's special. the best and worst of the business, too. Yeah. Because you're you're meeting people where you're like, I am never going to have this embarrassment of riches yeah, of no. people anywhere else. Well, I'm no the, offense, New the York. The funny thing but is, like, is I well, am like New York. At the New York has wonderful people in it, but the funny thing about it that I find difficult, and one of the reasons that I, I, I don't want to live there, nor do I think I ever will, and this is no insult to New York because I was born there and I love it, but it, it, the people there, weirdly, very different from L.A. in the sense that in L.A., when you meet bad people, I, and strangely, even though some of them, it's their job to pretend to be likable people. They are not. You can smell it's it transparent. on them. It's literally... I love what you're saying. I can't wait for you to finish this thought. You can see it. The moment they walk through the door, you smell this like this negativity or this bad vibe on them. And even even the ones that are managed, managed to be a little bit more capable of fooling you, you generally figure it out about a month in. It's yeah. not hard. Yeah. You go to New York. I know people that like... You know, they were in New York for 10 years and this was their best friend and then they find out that person was like stealing their money. Yeah, do- yeah, yeah. And you're like, how did you not know? Oh, how did you not know? cloaked. I-, I think it's just people that are more capable. Again, I'm going to get in so much trouble for New Yorkers <laughs> being like, are you telling us? No, I'm telling you that you're really capable of, you know, being who you want to be. Whereas in LA, a lot of people are not. I think that makes sense. <laughs> I think that, that they I, are inherently resonates. who they are. Yeah. And... Uh, 
Yeah, you're right. I think there is. I I completely agree. I think because we are constantly flooded with new people. We know that's sort of oh, the it's nature designed. Of the job. It's and designed it's to cycle so people remarkable. out. So remarkable, and it really is like. I think that is you're practicing for that whether you know it or not just by virtue of like you know the whole idea of spending 10,000 hours on something and becoming an expert at it or you know whatever it's like if you're doing this over and over again and you're constantly being flooded with the stimuli of new personalities you're getting good at filtering without even knowing you're getting good at it and you're able to sort of right away kind of be like I like you we're not going to have a lot to talk about yeah that's fine I definitely don't like yeah. you. Like, there are people that, that you're like, I never want really to see fast. you again. Yeah, it, it can happen really fast. And it's a great point. I think also, I mean, and as much as this might seem, it's, it's not Darwinistic, but there's, cer- there's certainly a, a survival of the fittest idea about it. Um, something about L.A. that is definitely troubling, but also makes it easy if you are even remotely capable and generally likable as well because you don't – if you're a mean person, eventually that comes back to bite you in the ass. People mm-hmm. might talk about how delayed that is for some of the people that are definitely mean that have been here for decades. Yeah. But generally speaking, if you are kind but you are also capable, there is no limit to what you can end up doing here because a lot of people, for no lack of them being good people, they come here – and they kind of stare at a wall and they go, okay, so this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to wait at this wall until whatever bouncer invites you in or whatever, you know, the wall comes down and I'm a star or these kinds of things. The fact of the matter is it's just a, it's just a wall. And yeah, some people get like lifted up and over it and it's luck and there's nothing else to it. It's literally luck and timing. It has yeah. nothing, especially for actors, but for other things as well. It's luck and timing. But most people don't look at the wall and then go, well, there's a window over here and there's a door over there and there's a chimney up top if all else fails. They don't do that. Whereas in New York, that's kind of the mentality is like, I will sneak in at any means necessary Mm -hmm. and I will get in there because it's, that's, that's the kind of real world of survival in New York. But Mm -hmm. in LA, everyone can kind of survive staring at the wall. Mm -hmm. So when you're one of the few people that can go, okay, well, there's a window over there and this wall is boring me and hitting your head on a wall is, is the definition of insanity if you want to do that for 15 years. Yeah. So the people that can look for a window, like, you know, it, it, arguably voiceover is a window. Mm-hmm. Arguably writing is a window or a door. Um, and it still doesn't mean that you know what's going to be inside no, the window. You and no you still idea. be like, you know what? I could crawl through the window and then get kicked right back out the door or again and be outside in front well. of the you wall. Might yeah. go in there and be like, oh, this place is terrible. Yeah. The Paisley curtains are outdated. Why would I wait anywhere where the clouds are out in front? That's not me at all. Why everyone in here that? is racist. Yeah. And I hate them all. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, it's not to say that you will like where you wind up because truth be told, I know very few people that do. But... That aside, if you're happy with how you wound up there, then you generally lead a pretty happy life. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 is, it is a strange town of that. It's a lot of people staring at walls. I think you're 100% <laughs> correct. I didn't think of it in that. I like to visualize things very much. And I hadn't thought of it in those terms. And it absolutely makes perfect sense. And everything that we just said about, two, not knowing what's on the other side or being nervous about what's on the other side is yet another reason to stay in front of the wall, right? Is that sure. you don't, it's so much more fun to imagine what's on the other side as being heavenly well, a lot people, and avoiding that yeah. because you don't want to be wrong. You a know lot of I mean? people also don't want to work hard for something that they don't know if they will get kind of returns for. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the act of getting acting jobs is crap. No one likes it. No one likes auditioning. No one likes waiting. No one, that's, that's all crap. All of the bullshit and the butt kissing, nobody likes. The act of actual acting is wonderful and difficult and interesting and strange and uncomfortable. And so a lot of people, 
having heard that description, I'm not the first and I won't be the last to say it, they kind of do that thing of being like, well, then I'll just wait for acting, not the act of trying to act. And a lot of, so they're not putting in kind of any work to get there. And sometimes, you know, that still works out for them, especially right now if you're like really, really attractive. (laughs) (laughs) It ends up working out for you. Started as a laugh, ended as a cry. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, all uh, as a woman who loves women and thinks they're wonderful, incredible, beautiful creatures, this is no, in, in any way, knocking down beautiful women because I think it's wonderful. It's the same way you can't knock sports people for being born to play a lot of their yeah. sports. You can't knock beautiful women for being born to, for people to love looking at them. I mean, yeah. it, it, that is not all they are capable of, but it is definitely helpful. And so that's a good thing. But it is a strange time right now because I don't think a lot of people understand artists here, understand what kind of a real life of work would be some of them it's it's strange it's it's a town full of very hopeful very wonderful peter pan syndrome people yeah um and it doesn't breed happiness down the line when they because if you do become successful if you're one of that one percent of the one percent statistic people um it is a very difficult job not even so much what you're doing but what you have to live mm-hmm. um and I, you know, I've been around every form of it. I have friends that are really famous and they're 22. I have friends from my family that are really famous and they're 75. And everyone right. deals with it differently. But for the most part, getting the money that you get paid down the line that can actually support a lifestyle that a lot of people are seeking out right now means usually giving up a certain amount of yourself, whether that means you can't have a normal relationship because everyone knows about you or you can't you know, take your kids to school without someone following you with a camera and you, you know, and everyone has an opinion on everything and everyone gets mad about everything. And it's literally become this weird peak of humanity. And I I talk to mom about it all the time where I talk about, you know, we came too late to explore the planet. We came too early to explore space. So we are in this weird century of exploring each other. Mm. And that is at times incredibly dark and at times incredibly beautiful. And, you know, I have moments where, I am both incredibly frustrated with humanity and kind of done with it. And then at times it's so beautiful and so wonderful and all I want to do is help it. It's going to be a strange time until we're all somehow, you know, colonizing across the universe and terraforming planets we have no business being on. But there we are. You know, that that's going to be when we're gone. Yeah. Mars and whatnot. I mean, they're going to be putting people up there, but not like a sizable amount. Oh, you, and, sure. you and I shall not be we on Mars. Not. We will not. But, um... It's exploring humanity is why things I think right now are so at this like fever pitch. It's so solipsistic. It's so solipsistic. Yeah. Empathy and apathy. The weirdest one is the empathy and apathy thing. It's so strange. I studied serial killers growing up because they were just so interesting to me because a lot of people are like, they shouldn't exist. They weren't meant to be exist. And I'm like, no, 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 they, they're supposed to exist to remind us mm. why we have a moral compass, why mm-hmm. we have the ability to not do what these people mm-hmm. do. They're a terrible point to prove it, but it, it's the same way, way that they kind of needed to exist to prove why there are laws that exist to find people like mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. in so much as you can. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing now. I, I feel like the apathy needs to exist, hopefully, down the line to remind people to have empathy. It's starting to. I think that kind of the whole trend of the anti-bullying and, and people doing that kind of uh, standing up to people publicly as much as it seems like a cry for attention. No, it's to remind people that being an apathetic asshole is not 
okay. People right. let it happen for a while. It's been happening for, you know, almost a decade now, that beginning of the tabloid culture thing. The Lady Diana kind of moment of everyone kind of stood up and said, don't you dare yeah. try and start to drag her through the dirt. It's that thing of people now starting to defend people from apathy, with empathy. Yeah. Um, and I hope that that brings it to this fever pitch that, you know, on the bright side of this kind of weird tunnel we're in right now it would be people being more aware of empathy and being more capable of shutting down apathy and it, I, I don't know where we're going to wind up I have absolutely no idea I don't know what the solution is because there may not be one but it's definitely an interesting time it's why I worry about my teenage cousin so much because I didn't have to deal with this when I was a teenager yeah. you do you know you take philosophy class or your religion teacher gives you you know like in my case, mine, mine was very sweet and she understood that I was not very religious in any real kind of sense. So she gave me every book. She didn't just give me the Bible. She gave me the Quran, the Torah. And my favorite was kind of Siddhartha and, and, and a lot of those kind of books that were Taoist and Buddhist and things like that because they're quite beautiful um, and very pacifistic. Well, I, yeah. And I think, I think so much of what you're talking about really does have roots in that, right? Which is this sort of idea of uh, the... the <laughs> I don't know. I, I, well, that's a whole. That's probably a whole separate conversation that we yeah. don't have time for. But I'm I'm so fascinated with the idea of <clears throat> goodness for goodness sake, and sort of also <laughs> like that also the uh, <laughs> also the. Um, I keep. It's funny because I keep having this idea of blankness. Like I just yeah. keep wanting to say that, but this sort of um, meditative blank presentness about yeah. things that feels so different from. Uh, the constant stream and influx of stimuli that we have in this electronic age and stuff. And I think people are working to balance that. And um, I hope so. I mean, I, I certainly hope It'd so be nice. too. And it's a, it's weird because there's like a sort of, there's a weird thing that happens inside of that, that to me feels like there's, there's like a, a sort of passive universal apathy. That's actually okay in Buddhism that yeah. and, but that is also mixed with empathy. It's like a weird combination. Yeah, there's of like both a care, but things. also distance from the world. Yeah. You don't in, you don't in, inhabit other people's problems. It is funny too because it's like I've I've recently realized that sometimes, especially given, uh, I think it's that it's again that's a public persona thing. You can't stand up for anything because everyone sees it as wrong. Like. You know, I had that argument about feminism the other day. Someone, not the other day, a while ago, but someone was talking about, okay, so if you're feminist, you don't care about men. And oh, I was like, God. no, 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 I'm, I'm for equal rights. And they're like, oh, so you're an equalist. And I went, well, sure, but they're not mutually exclusive. Right. You know, they're not. It's, it's kind of that thing of when people misunderstand an actual love of humanity, they're like, oh, so you're a humanist. And you're like, oh, my God. No, here's the thing. You can't make a difference if you, if you have this ambiguous over-umbrella of, I love everybody. Right. And it's like, yes, I do love everybody, but I'm going to start by helping small groups that need help so that we can kind of... Eh, reminds me of like one of those little graph charts, mm -hmm. you know, like the pie chart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's certain people that have certain slices of the pie. And you can expand the small slices so that they're more equal with the bigger slices, slowly but surely. But if you love, like, if you're just looking at the whole pie as a whole, you don't see the little slices yeah. that need that help, that need yeah. the voice that speaks and says, you know, there are still women that are treated as objects in other countries and thrown on funeral pyres. There's, like, things like that that people don't talk about because yes. they're like, oh, well, you're a, a white woman from a rich family in the, you know, in the United States. I'm like, absolutely, and I'm so incredibly grateful for that because, holy crap, if yeah. I was born in another country, it's a terrible existence most of the time. Yeah. 
And I've been there. I went to Africa with my mom for a month, Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania, Kenya. You know, I was at a 16-year-old's Maasai tribe wedding, and she'd been, you know, mutilated the night before. She'd been circumcised. Um, and that's, uh, you form opinions based upon, at least in my case, what I was actually witness to. And it, it is hard. It is hard to sit there and when people want to define you for yourself. And I think that that's, again, that's people having access to everyone. It's, it's Twitter. It's, you know, it's everything. Um, but they've kind of lost the idea that if everyone, if everyone just brought umbrella, by the way, said that they love humanity, that would be awesome. If right. all of us were like, we love humans, no, no one is hurting, everything's <laughs> happy, that would be great. They're not. We're not. There so you have to stand up for the things that at least in that circumstance, you can have something to say. It might not be the right thing. It is, what is the right thing? But it is, it is interesting because it's like we are all so ready to be angry mm. or ready to be to stand up in defense of something which is at times great and at other times incredibly unnecessary um it, it has become of, of like a little weird little high school in and of itself mm-hmm. being like if i if i if you say you, you don't want feminism that's bad or if you say you do want feminism that's bad and it's all of it's weird and again i don't know why i'm only using feminism feminism as an example because it's everything it's right now it's racism it's religion it's all these things um and even when you sp- if you just talk about wanting freedom of speech people will fight with you because the freedom of speech definition has been so lost with the times right so it's interesting it's all it's all part of that empathy apathy thing. <laughs> we'll have to see where it, it winds up. I think up. it is. I think we're sort of afraid to. Part of the empathy of that is that, like, the ability to see so many different sides that you start to question your moral compass and wonder sure. if you're making a clean enough choice or if it is more of a gray area than you think. And do we know how to listen to our gut anymore? And what, you know, what is sort of. Uh, a, a, a focus point of a culture versus a universal truth about you know about who we are and and what we owe our own humanity. Yeah. Well, and people have started to be afraid of the peanut gallery, a bunch of unseen people that are comment boards that are, you know, Twitter replies. They're afraid of the peanut gallery. They're mm-hmm. not people that they probably will ever be around, and if they are, they wouldn't say it to their face. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, in any case. Uh, it's a strange way of living to be afraid of, you know, basically the faceless, yeah, the faceless mob. They? And also, and sometimes like, they're not a mob; it it's one person. People? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is it you fifty know, people who's really one person? And so they've stopped saying things for fear of pissing someone off, especially weirdly public figures, which are the ones that are supposed to say things and understand that they have reactions, but still, like you know, they're supposed to say something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, to empower uh, uh, somebody yeah. who feels like they don't have that voice, getting back to kind of full circle, the idea of having this voice is w- if if you can't look to this person that supposedly is in the position to make those kinds of statements yeah. and help elicit change, because they can't piss anyone off, then. Who are you? Who well, are you to like, have that voice? So it's really dangerous. And then they, you know, there are people that that yell for a voice, and then when they're given one, they don't know what to do with it, and mm-hmm. that's that's hard too because you want them to be like, okay, great, you have it, and it's not to say they shouldn't have it unless they have something to say because that's not the truth. 
You yeah. don't have to have something to say. It doesn't mean that you can't say things as evidenced by most of the internet. Right. It doesn't mean that you can't say whatever's <laughs> on your me. mind. Believe me. Yeah, plenty <laughs> will get what, said. What is it? Is it rule rule 27? Was that if it, if, if it has been mentioned, it is somewhere in a porn on the internet? Or I'm sure. Forget which rule case. it is. Don't get mad at me, I'm internet. Sure um, it, it's, it's, it's a weird, new, exploratory, strange realm that it's... I don't know what... I... I I love it. I have. I'm grateful for it in the sense that it's opened up my eyes to a lot of things. But it is frustrating as all hell at times too, because you just want to be able to express yourself in a way that you are happy with expressing yourself. And that I guess that's the that's that's the humanity for you in general. Is everyone's trying to express themselves right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to change the world. Um. And so while everyone's trying to do that, it's everyone's just kind of getting in each other's way sometimes while they're doing it. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of messy fussing. fussing. It's a lot of like people getting mad at comedians because they made jokes and yeah. things like that. Which, by the way, if they're not funny jokes, then you probably should get mad at them because they're <laughs> failing as a comedian and as a, as a political comedian uh, at that. Yeah. Those I get. <laughs> Someone made a joke about, um, I guess, my dad not that long ago. And they were talking, someone was telling me about it, um, which you don't need to do, by the way. It's okay. I don't need to know about it. But in this case, I do. And they were talking about it. And I was like, well, was the joke funny? He's like, no, not really. He's like, well, then dad wouldn't have liked it. If, he, if it was funny, he would have probably been fine with it. Yeah. Because he was a comedian. He got that. Yeah. They, they're the last remaining vestige of non-PC-ness. They love each other and try and support each other in being non-PC. But for the most part, if you're not funny then your joke, no matter how well-intentioned or ill-intentioned, is mm-hmm. going to fall flat. Yeah. So it's a strange uh, PC, PC, PC time. No, I agree. And I feel like that's something, and I do want to get into this MASH game with you, which yeah. I didn't warn you maybe that was what coming. Is MASH but game? Um, uh, that is a very childish game that I have adapted to my podcast to suit my awesome. needs. Uh, I, I'll just finish by saying, like, I think that that's navigating how much and how little I want to interact with the e-world is yeah um just kind of where I'm at right now it's like it really it really is becoming like I'm f- I'm self-filtering so much that uh I've, I really am just like finding a lot of joy and going I'm I'm only using it for output yeah like, I will I will put something out there and I will not read anything about what came back I will not you know what I mean I'll just yeah. sort of use it to put it out and and I don't spend a lot of time Oh, I definitely don't spend in. a lot of time on it. I'm one of those that I get random in in like impulses <clears throat> mm-hmm, to post mm-hmm. like a random gif of as I did yesterday, Christian Bale widening his eyes or like uh-huh. things like that that are random. But I also I I like knowing, and it's one of the reasons I came back after everything that happened to me. That if I deleted my Twitter, as is so often common these days, uh, fakes would have popped up in my place. Mm. I like people knowing that that is actually me mm-hmm. for all of my, you know, faults and scars and <laughs> third nipple kind of uh-huh, things uh-huh. of like, you can see that, you know, this is run by a girl who started it when she was 20 and used to be super active on it because I wasn't an actor. I was like just a nerdy kid who liked the internet. Um, and now it kind of sort of remains almost as a, as a like monolith that I, I want it to not be moved because mm-hmm. I don't want someone to end up speaking for me. Mm-hmm. So I refuse, I will never delete it. Um, even though I thought about it briefly for a while, uh, I won't get rid of it, but I don't know to the extent I used to be on it. No, I won't anymore. I used to like interacting with people a lot, um, because there were funny, interesting, nerdy people on the internet, but then they became, 
there's still those people there. I still have really wonderful people that comment with me and we chat every once in a while, but it's, it's not, it's not interaction that you need to seek out any more than you want to. Mm -hmm. If it makes you happy, then do it. In my case, it, for the most part, I, I will post about charities. I will post about nerdy things to make people laugh because mm -hmm. I like those. Mm -hmm. And then every once in a while I'll post for myself to express something that I feel like is being misexpressed. But other than that, it's, yeah, it's not, I, I got rid of Facebook five years ago. I guess there's a bunch of fake Facebooks of me. Please don't send them money. Yes, they are not to me. Not. Certainly um, do not. But it, you can't, you can't prevent all of it. I'm not going to like have a friggin' profile on every single service. Oh, sure. Because that would be a lot. But I do, you know. I have mine on Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr just so that nobody else gets to speak for me. Because yeah. it's one thing I will stand behind is it's like, at least it's my voice. It may, no, be, it may be strange, but it I is mine. It all comes back <laughs> to the voice. You are very impressive with our ability to come full circle multiple times. Um, and, all, and then uh, to finally, I just want to say uh, that I enjoy having a very rich non- laptop life and that is uh that is very important it helps to me. it really helps okay so i'm gonna get into this match i made a couple of notes while you were talking so i didn't cool. want to forget some stuff that some categories i thought that you would think was fun um so i'm gonna start out with uh three <laughs> three horror films and listen, you may be like, listen, I love horror films, but I still don't want this. But yeah. I'm just gonna, I, I have a feeling that you'll still get into it. Yeah. Three horror films that are actual realities that you can go into and be a part of and interact with. And it's just, it's a whole world. Like that, that I want it, to? That or? you actually can go in and, you know, you certainly are not going to be killed or maimed uh, unless that's what you want probably <laughs> unless i'm into that but is there a um, world in some way whether it's whether it's the whether it involves the risk of the horror or if it's actually just an interesting world like in a weird way i would still like to be a part of the alien world just because yeah so well that was one i was right? gonna bring up also um, ripley is a badass exactly um, exactly so this is so this is these are sort of realms that you can go into i mean that's an that interesting version of it because truthfully there's a lot of horror films i love there's not a lot of them i would love to be like in you know like yeah. living in i guess pan's labyrinth if you can count that I as will. a bit of a horror film I mean, there's certainly horrific elements, so that one is an interesting world. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'd say Alien as well. Great. Because any world where Ripley gets to keep surviving, I'm, I'm cool with. Um, shoot, that's hard. Because, again, there's category. not a lot of horror films that I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll I know, I, know. I really was like, um, I don't know why I'm asking this, but I'm interested in what the response will be. I mean, given the way <laughs> in, the, in the second Hellraiser, the way that they kind of showed... The the Hellraiser universe. Mm -hmm. No, and no one wants to go to the. No one wants to like live in the torture universe. But it was basically like a dark version of the labyrinth, full of like yeah. fetishism. So maybe that's like more because labyrinth Hilarious. is not labyrinth is not a horror film. So I can't yeah, use I'm that one. Put it in there anyway. You're like labyrinth. I'm gonna I, I go. I'm gonna hang with Bowie and his Bowie and his I'm cod put piece. Put it in there because there are some scary things in it, and also it's sort especially of if you're afraid of Muppets. <laughs> Uh, that's correct and hands hands that talk hands and um, and his cod piece if you're afraid of large yeah. bedazzled cod pieces yeah. don't watch that drawn to them <laughs> okay books. books 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 so this is the same idea it's mm -hmm. three books that you can go into the world of and interact oh, with this characters is easy. and be friends with and just kind of get in and i'll get it all over the first you. one is part of a trilogy that was written by garth nix but it's the second book called lyriel okay. r-i- 
L-I-R-A-E-L. But basically, it was I still call it the female Lord of the Rings. It's oh, unbelievable. Yay. I okay. love those books. Okay, cool. Because um, I would have brought up Lord of the Rings, except I love Lyriel and Sabriel's kind of world more. Okay. Um, shoot. I really love... Uh, kind of the way that Neil Gaiman always wrote his yes, worlds. So either too. Coraline or uh, Stardust. Stardust world is yeah, let's, beautiful. Let's put to Stardust in there, I think. Now, now I'm deciding for you. Yeah, you're no, like, I'm, I choose Stardust. I get very on board for See, Stardust. See, I liked, I liked the other mother world until it became, let me sew buttons on your eyes. So well, that's, Stardust, yeah. yeah. Stardust so is cool. Is tough. Okay. Um, great, great, great. Third book. Let me think. I mean, in this case, and I still stand by that. I I collect children's books. Mm -hmm. Um, I love them very much. And uh, like older children's books before, before they became like see spot run, you know, they used to write them for adults as well. They were written for people that were going to be adults. So they're very beautifully written and incredibly interesting. Um, in that realm, I'd probably choose like the Little Prince or oh, the Chronicles of Narnia, yeah. as much as it's I just like said Catholicism. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, to, ma- yeah. to match Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> you know, Narnia or one of those worlds, despite its Catholicism and all of that, kind of a w- world of that. It's it's a beautiful written book. Uh, listen, I'm going to go ahead and say everyone who listens to my podcast knows my favorite book of all time is A Wrinkle in Time. I, I love A Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time is unbelievable. I stand by it. It is my Bible. I read it like once a year. Not, I don't plan to, but I'm like. I need to, I need, I need this. You know what? Instead of Narnia, I will say that there, there are two books that kind of bridge that gap for me of like the fantasy reality realm where I'd still get to experience both Lyriel being one of them as well. But the Phantom Tollbooth, which I love, love that book so much or one of the Harry Potter books. But I, I I have to say, I think the Phantom Tollbooth should win because having a huge dog with a like Flava Flav watch around his neck would be great. It's great. great. (laughs) Harry Potter's been covered, you know, like Mm -hmm. we all love Harry Potter. Everyone loves Harry Potter. I love the shout out. To I, my birthday Tollbooth. is Harry Potter's birthday, and I waited. Nice. I waited every year when I was that age because I loved books so much, and I threw myself into those worlds so much. Yes. I was one of those kids who waited for Hagrid, and he never came. Yeah, I hate you, Hagrid. But the books are great. <sighs> I really hear you. I really hear you. Okay, so this one is a spinoff of that, which is um, this is a uh, fictitious friend, like a sort mm-hmm. of a best friend that you get to hang out with from any from anything from anything. It could yeah. even be somebody who uh is from history that you were fascinated with that you wish right, you cool. could somehow spend time with but it could also be a fictional person first one is definitely hobbs okay. i'd want to be friends with hobbs so badly yeah um because no, he was so awesome also uh, calvin i mean like weirdly i'd want yeah. like the duo you don't want just hobbs you want calvin right, and I'm hobbs to be there. your buddy i allow it so I they're kind it. of a one they're like they're they're a tandem team this is fun because this is the first time ever it's hobbs and calvin and <laughs> since I listed Hops first. The universe um, has been turned on its ear. It's because I have a special soft spot for like anthropomorphic tiger toys. Um, let me think. I mean, there are some really fun ones out there that would be great to have as a friend. I feel like, I mean, he <laughs> he's kind of the friend that you would make fun of a lot, but it would be a lot of fun. Johnny Bravo. Great. Johnny Bravo is a, as a guy friend. I, I have guy friends that kind of remind me of him, so I feel like he should be brought up. Love it. Um, a lot of the historical figures I mean I would more admire I don't even think I could be their friend because I love them so much Um, so I'm trying to think of like actual buddies like people that I want to watch cartoons with on like Saturdays or play video games with Um, the last one is hard um I like I like people that 
you know, make jokes and are really blunt and kind of sarcastic. And so I'm, I'm torn between like Oscar the Grouch and Garfield. Oh man, that's a tough. That's the, or, or, or the angry beavers. Cause Dag and Nabbit are kind of like the people I seek out as well. Like, you know, you have the two buddies that they both kind of make fun of each other and it yep. just ends up being entertaining you. I think um, those are all very strong they're choices. All strong I don't choices. know who you're going to pick. Um, I feel like you already have a, a cat represented. In I know. Mobs, I have. So I feel like we can cross Garfield off the list. Cat, shoot. Um, I guess. I guess we should go with Oscar the Grouch because he's kind Great. of. He's just he's cranky and fun, and he was definitely my my favorite. That an animal. Him and animal oh, yeah. like Sesame Street and and the Muppets. Those are the two that I loved. So I'll stick with those That's ones. Great. Great. I'm very, very and excited Beaker. about Oscar. <laughs> he would make a bad Beaker. friend. Beaker would make a bad say, friend. Were, I always felt so much an- anxious empathy yeah. for, for Beaker. Like, he's so worried I and he like can't him. really express himself. Oh, Beaker, Beaker. I think that he would be uh, the kind of friend that you're like, oh my God, no, Beaker's here. <laughs> Like he's just you guys, I had us. to invite Beaker. I had to. You, you don't want to leave him out, but you don't want to also be the person caught alone on a couch with him. <laughs> that is so easy to imagine. Oh, poor, uncomfortable, socially awkward Beaker. He'd, he'd be like the guy with so the red much. solo cup in the corner yes, who's like just yes. dancing alone to the music. Oh, Beaker. He's so cute, though. And then he, and then you walk up to him and he immediately spills it. Like, oh, yeah, he's gosh, like, Whoa, hi. Hello. Yeah, yeah, very much. I love it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Three uh, vacation homes, uh, real places in the world that you could have a vacation home. Um, a vacation home. One of them definitely has to be Lake Tahoe. I've been going there love. since I was a little kid, and I, lo- I it's my favorite place, love, really, love, kind love. of in the United States by a long shot. Couldn't support that more. Um, New Orleans, <laughs> New Orleans, sure, New, New Orleans. Orleans. I don't know why that came out like that. Sure, um, sure. I'm obsessed with jazz, and I love whiskey and people, and it's, it's just all of it. It's literally just that. That's literally New Orleans <laughs> for me. It's like no, right. music, whiskey, and awesome people. I yeah. have. I've gone there, walked out of like the place I was staying alone and just talked to people. And it's, it's some of my favorite stories ever. And then you like find yourself in a jazz bar at three in the morning talking to random, wonderful, strange people from all over the world. And all they want to do is the same thing as you is talk to people and listen to jazz yeah. while drinking a glass of whiskey. So New Orleans for sure. I get it. I get um, it. <laughs> Maybe yes. I like I like remote and pretty. So I feel mm-hmm. like you know somewhere, I don't know somewhere in Canada or sure. Alaska. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know somewhere with like a pretty lake I'm and way in. I'm way in. you can kind of <clears throat> start your horror film in your cabin on your own. But it's okay. <laughs> I like those. I that's that's vacation for me. Is mm-hmm. like not being in a city. You will never see me kind of go, oh, I just worked so hard and it was such a long year. I'm going to go to New York. Like, I'm going to go, no, I want to be like in the Italian countryside away from people. Yeah. You know, all of these sound great. Umbria, somewhere like that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like away, away, away. Yeah. I like Italy as well. All the people are really nice and they like eating. Yes. I think we should go with Umbria. We'll go with Umbria. I think that's great. They like eating, which is my favorite pastime. Okay. <laughs> so uh, um, that you'll, then you'll be glad about one of these. Okay. You can travel in time to a place, Ooh. past or future, uh, a, a sort of era, if you will. Mm. Um, uh, it can be as specific as, you know, New York in the 20s or whatever, um, or it can just be uh, a more sort of vague, vague travel. It's hard because historically speaking, any time before this kind of era is bad for women. I know. But you get to, we'll you're, figure you're it out. in a special Zelda bubble, so yeah, it's in, not really In a special, if, if basically, if you're traveling through time, but we look like a white man. Or, <laughs> That's 
<laughs> you know what? If you look like uh, the doctor from Doctor Who, that's yeah, why that you works just so get well. to be wherever. Um, I would have loved to be kind of in in Paris during kind of the height of that art time period. Always the joke of the the Moulin Rouge, the beginning and the end of that that period of just uh, what is it? And it's not the Belle Vive, like is it? It was that time. It was it was artists. It was writers. It was painters. It was everything. It is sort of the Belle Epoque, though. Isn't it, it? I think it might yeah. have been the Belle Epoque. Um, it wasn't the Belle Vive. That's just like beautiful life. Uh, but I, I love. I, I I really do love France. I speak French, and oh. I would have loved to be there during Me that period too. of just creation and awesomeness. Um, I'm fascinated with the sort of. Um, like, did you ever see Impromptu? The like Georges no. Sand, Chopin, Debussy. Awesome. list like this whole community of artists that um would have benefactors that would just be like come to my chateau yeah. in the country and just drink and like put on plays that and still happens by the way there's still i have friends that are painters who are like i'm going to the south of france oh, i'm like why so and they're going fantastic. well someone here has a lot of money and they like me yeah I'm like oh, fucking you artists. should see that movie you might like it just even i will just for the, when the I enjoyment watch- of like seeing like the, the representation of like Eugène Delacroix being friends yeah. with an author, being friends with Chopin, being friends with da da da. Well, and a Judy lot of Davis them did know Hugh each Grant other, and Mandy Patinkin, and a bunch of people. It's Mandy. good. It's like a. It's like a. It's I like love an Mandy early Patinkin. Nineties. Yeah, it's a good. Do it's not a think great, it means really what you think movie. it means. It, I do not um, think it means. I got to um, hug Carrie Elwes this year, and that was special. Oh, I, I love him. At our comedy festival. I love him. Yeah, he was like. I, it was so funny too because I got to be that embarrassing girl who was like, "You were literally my childhood crush yeah. for like my entire childhood," and he's such a kind, wonderful man. And he, his book is really good, by the way. Like, go go read it yeah, as you wish. Yeah. Is awesome. Yeah, but it was kind of that was uh, that was definitely off a bucket list of childhood being like, I hugged him. Oh, I indeed. hugged Wesley, and it was awesome. Indeed. Um, let me think. So we have Paris. We have Paris, um, which I love. I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me that would be really curious about the future. I, yeah. uh, almost to be like, even if, if even if we've been wiped out, even if the, the world is gone, I think, you know, visiting us or whatever form of humanity or whatever down the line, like 2,000 years from now, let's just like set a date of like 2,000 right. years from now. I'd like right. to see what has become of us right. or where we have gone or if we're, you know, in order to perpetuate, we're now like scattered across planets, across yeah. the universe because then if one... I mean, I always I talk about that. I talk about a lot of things with my mom about like, you know, we are an, by definition an endangered species because we're all on one planet. Yes. Oh, yes. Not Doesn't unlike when we're much. like that one bird is on that one island yeah. outside the Bahamas. And you're like, OK, well, that's us in the universe. Yeah. We're just this planet. And if an asteroid hits us, we're gone. Yeah. And I mean, gone, gone. No one will remember our history. No one will do that. Yes. So, you know, at some point we need to get a couple scatter of us like, off this like rock. Seeds. Yeah. If we seeds. plan to continue. But I'd like to see how we do that because it's not going to be easy. We are not life forms meant to travel. But yeah. that aside, it'd be interesting. Um, hmm. I Again, women were not very I well know, liked. I'm like, <laughs> there's so many time periods where I'm like, I'd love to see it. But then I wouldn't I like how they would see me. Um, uh, for curiosity's sake, maybe I'd visit Egypt back in the day. Ooh, um, great. Just because there's so curiosity. much. Maybe I would tell everyone how the pyramids were finally made. Yes. Be like, look, so they had pulleys after all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love uh, some of the kind of 
mysteries of that time period, Absolutely. whether it would be the Aztecs or Egyptians or one of the one of our ancient peoples. One of our ancient mysteries. I'd visit our great. ancient peoples. All right. I put Egypt, but... Egypt slash Aztec, Aztecs. Mayan slash... Let me visit someone who built something that we still can't fucking figure out. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I, I hear it and I support it 100%. <laughs> okay. Uh, food category. Always mm. got to do this one. This is me, for me now. I know it's for you too. Ooh. Three foods that uh, have zero negative impact on you whatsoever that you can have at the Ooh. snap of a finger in perpetuity as much as you want. Uh... My comfort food, like go to, mm-hmm. is mac and cheese with turkey dogs. Ooh! It was like what my mom made me. I was like, I'd love it so much. Mac Sounds and cheese great. and turkey dogs, salty and delicious. It's so good. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> hmm. Uh, I love a good burger. Like mm-hmm. if I, you know, In and Out Burger can't go wrong. Great, great, great. I'm trying to think negative. <laughs> what doesn't negatively impact you? Well, what? <laughs> which side are we talking about? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I like citrus. So there's definitely, there's that part of me that if I'm like frustrated or starving, I'll go and grab like just any fruit I can find that's citrus or sour. I don't like sweet things. I've never liked sweet things. I like savory or sour. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So for mm -hmm. me, it's like, when even when it came to candy, it was like Sour Patch Kids and Warheads sure, and that sure. kind of stuff. I never liked sweet stuff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Though, that's like, not a food though. That's that's a, that's a that's food pretty group. good for you. There's got to be something that's yeah. Like, there got to be something bad. Yeah. There's got to be terrible things. Um, I mean, look, everyone. Everyone's done this, so I don't feel ashamed. My my go to like drunk food is always the cheesy gordita crunch from Taco there Bell. There you go. This I will is have how the game is played. I will have two of them with this fire sauce. This is how the game is played. And my Fantastic. my body will hate me yes. the day afterwards, not, but I don't not care. Not in this world. Not in that not world. Not in this world. In that world, it's you can vitamins. have all the chalupas. In this world, you it's can vitamins. Have. Uh, amazing. Okay, listen, this is MASH. Wouldn't be MASH without it. A uh, mm-hmm. uh, partner, that could be, a, oh, this is your MASH uh, life partner, your MASH husband, wife, Ooh, your MASH uh, sexcapade. Um, however, <laughs> it could like, be, I'd I, like to by sleep the way, with Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, listen, um, it could be a one-nighter. One one person you could be like, oh, that's a person, I, that's someone I would feel like mm. I would want to spend my life with, obviously, not knowing this actual person. Uh, but but you could pick another one that's like, I mean, I just want to have sex with this person. Um, and we'll see which one you end up with. But it, it can Ooh. be, it can be the, um, it could be on your terms, is I guess what I'm saying. All right. And they can be characters, or do you prefer people and I things? It, I think it could totally be characters, as long as it's yeah. like not, you know, my neighbor in second grade, it's not as fun for us all to live no, that's weird. because that's weird. Well, we'll yeah. def- because we've already mentioned it, we're definitely putting Wesley from The Princess there Bride on there, because that has Great to happen. Choice. Great choice. Um, I was also one of the, the few, the proud, the Aragorn lovers. Oh, okay. It was sure. never, never sure. a Legolas girl, books or movie, was always Aragorn. So regardless, books or movie, Great. was always an Aragorn person. Great. Um, let me think. I'm trying to think of like superheroes I was obsessed with because, I mean, look, <laughs> who doesn't love Deadpool's brain? But I don't think he'd make a great partner. <laughs> um, trying to think. I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me because uh, my my favorite women in the kind of comic book universe were always the super villainesses of like the Batman world. So it was Catwoman yep, and yep. Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy. Yeah. Oh, well, because there's such amazing, complicated 
yeah. understandable characters. Like, I love when, well, weirdly, when I was never into raison d'etre that <laughs> yeah. you're like, well, let me, I mean, I kind of get that. that I was, was never into Batman, Kamira. though, the way he was written. I was never like, ooh, I find you sexy because I'm like, I don't know, you're kind of like oh, gruff. frustrating. And, yeah, you're frustrating. I don't know, put a... Uh, trying to think because they did they did do that for so long even with Iron Man it's like the like handsome gruff billionaire dude thing I didn't like I don't I don't like it with Fifty Shades of Grey either not my bag baby um I I get you know what I'm gonna put one on there for for the lady lover in me I'm gonna put Catwoman on I think it's great because I think Catwoman would be a really interesting really really she's more a sexcapades partner but she's fascinating she's so Look, especially the Catwoman that was in. Let's just talk about the the actual Catwoman in the movie. I mean, you can't beat her. Yeah, she was literally the best version of Catwoman that will ever exist. I don't yeah. care who they cast moving forward. Anne Hathaway was very pretty, but she was not, not even close to Burton's Catwoman. It just yeah, wasn't. I know Michelle. That was an amazing. Michelle was. She was mind blowing. So good. And who else could have looked oh, good? God. That was like when when you have Rebecca Romaine Stamos play mystique and she was perfect and you have michelle play catwoman and she was perfect there are certain not only levels of skill they're both so talented but they're also just so freaking hot that you're like no one one else can play comic books moving forward it's just that's it you're done retired it michelle Michelle pfeiffer retired catwoman i I catwoman should not be in movies i agree Wholeheartedly um, so agree. we're putting her on there. It's I both, it's both Michelle it. Pfeiffer Catwoman and Comic Book Catwoman because they they were one in the same for I me growing up. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, final one is just going to be: um, you wake up tomorrow morning and you have downloaded Matrix style a skill three. <laughs> Three different skills that All you're right. like, oh my God, if I could wake up tomorrow and be amazing at blank, three. Is this one of those things where it's like you can kind of do the genie thing of like all languages or do yes. you have to pick like a language? Yes. Okay, all languages. I would love to speak all languages because it's just too. that communication skill would be amazing. Agreed. Um, I would love to teleport. Yes. I've never been a person like uh, flying is fine, but like uh, if I can teleport and be anywhere, yeah. why would I fly? I agree. Um, I'm trying to think. There was... Okay, so this might be a little bit strange, but there was an X-Men character that was briefly in one of the... He basically had a very finite story, at least so far in as I'd never seen him in another one of them, called Zorn. Mm-hmm. And it was very... <laughs> I guess you can approach him as kind of on that level of like a Dr. Manhattan kind of a character who his head turned into a star. Wow. And it was bad because it, 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 the gravitational pull ended up killing his whole village. But that oh aside, what God. happened was he basically was able to grasp the universe. Oh, my and God. And his choice was even though he could influence man and, in fact, bring back life or create life or do anything and he could be a god, his choice was instead to kind of separate his particles and explore the universe. And I think in my, in my way... If, if you could do anything, being kind of a Dr. Manhattan-ish character who basically, you know, at the end of the, famously at the end of that book, he goes, you know, I love humans. I think I'll go create some of my own. I don't want to go create humans, but I would love to basically have the power and wherewithal to visit every corner of the universe, kind of almost simultaneously in Zorn's case, but in Dr. Manhattan's to just kind of explore and travel and go beyond that idea of like what we consider to be our plane of existence. Yes. Because there's so much that I'm I'm bummed that I was born too early to kind of see other planets because I'm that person that would love to do that to explore. Yeah. Um, I, I that I mean as what what I do you put it. that as I'm like a, Zorn. A, a a being? <laughs> I would like to wake up tomorrow and be an intergalactic mind being. No, I mean but, listen, I everything yeah. about it again. 
just to go back to a wrinkle in time. Yeah. I that 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 a multiverse hit, that pushes being. so many of my my own emotional buttons. Well, it's like I, a Doctor really, Who. It's really a, it's excited. a multiverse being. It's yeah. it's supposed to be that thing of like yeah. a traveler slash explorer yep. slash yep. just observer. I don't need to influence any of it. Yep. I don't need to love change it. it. I just like to see it. Oh God, I love it. This is a great match. <laughs> my favorite mashes. Okay, <laughs> tell me when to stop. Okay, stop. Okay. I'm going to pause this, okay. do some calculation. It's not really that much calculating. Uh, <laughs> but by process of elimination, I will uh, reveal your 100% guaranteed MASH future. Fun. Uh, listen, I'm back with some really good news. <laughs> uh, the, it, it, you got the number ones. What, what would have been my number one choices yeah. for you across the board, I feel, is, like what, is what you got. First of all, I want to cra- congratulate you on... I mean, you might as well... If you're going to have a food that you can eat limitlessly without any ramifications, why not make it the very worst for you? I want you to know that your gordita crunch, my dear, <laughs> is something that you need never worry about the, uh, <laughs> the post effects of. Uh, you are uh, you have it in perpetuity. Uh, so congratulations <laughs> on that. I just wanted to knock that out right away now let's get into some hardcore amazing stuff uh number one you have a, a mansion in tahoe nice um uh very excited about that uh when you don't feel like being in tahoe or here in la rest assured you can also go into the world of labyrinth that's right you got the most yes the least uh, very unpleasant. story of the babe very what unpleasant, babe the babe with the power <laughs> uh very unpleasant uh category i gave you we managed to uh pull you up out of that and now you get to go to labyrinth which by the way i would join you in a heartbeat because i'm not afraid of muppets i, I would have been fine with that or pan's labyrinth so i'm yeah. good yeah you got you, you we did all right and then you can also go into lyriel Ooh, ooh, yeah. fun. I mean, really. Also, you can teleport. So that's how you're getting to all of these places. Oh, that's cool. No journeys. But I'm like no interdimensional teleporting, which is nice. I mean, it's fantastic. Uh, you can also visit Paris during the sort of Belle Epoque that we talked about. Um, fantastic. Uh, and the people that can accompany you on this, uh, on these on these various adventures. Um, Oscar the Grouch, your best friend. <laughs> And uh, your boyfriend, Wesley. Yes! I know. This is a great match. We're just, we're going to go and have some absinthe in yeah. Belle Epoque, Paris. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> With it's Oscar. Fantastic. I feel like he Oscar would be a great mask. drinking partner. He will not partner. take off his mask. Oh, I'm, a, oh, I'm okay would. without the mask, too. Wesley was so would. hot. No, but I feel like Oscar would be a great, like, absinthe drinking partner in Paris. I couldn't agree more. Like, he fabulous. probably is an amazing writer. He's probably like, I would, would say you so. like to read some of my poetry? <laughs> He's <laughs> like, this is the most spectacular poetry I've ever read. I'm going to do slam poetry now that's right that's right um that would be wonderful yeah and we'd all go great. to the moulin rouge because i love dancing ladies Listen, um it's i mean this that's is, great this is fantastic it's all i feel like this you. is my next script oh no no, no. <laughs> Listen, take it with you go ahead and uh get started on that right away thank you so much for doing the you. podcast um you're you're this is luminous. so fun you're luminous and, and radiant and inspiring and tough and fantastic well i'm gonna give you zorn at some point i have to come and give you that comic book that would be now. outstanding you need to read it i know i'm very into it i'm it's very a wonderful into one oh, okay uh all right listen guys uh we'll see you next time on the podcast <laughs> I, I was hoping you, you just went and audio bye. podcast <laughs> and bye As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.